This is the Ready for Baby podcast, a podcast about pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond for new and expecting parents. I'm Gigi, a doula, newborn care specialist, and lactation educator. My goal is to streamline the newborn learning curve and empower parents. Before we dive in, have you shared the Ready for Baby podcast with your friends and loved ones yet? If you have, thank you. But if you haven't, I'd be so grateful if you just took a moment and shared this episode or another with someone who'd find it valuable. Now let's get into this week's episode. If you're expecting or have one or more children and have not handled your estate planning yet, then this episode is for you. My guest is Portia M. Wood Esquire. Portia is a generational wealth planning attorney. Based in Los Angeles, she leads Wood Legal Group, an African-American woman-owned and operated law firm specializing in estate planning, probate, and elder law that she runs with her mother and law partner, Robin Wood. They are passionately focused on helping all families grow and protect wealth by being a trusted resource for accurate information and comprehensive, culturally competent estate planning. I learned so much from my conversation with Portia, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Portia, how's it going? Hi, Gigi. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I am so good. I'm really, really excited about this conversation. I think it's so important. So what inspired you to kind of focus on general generational wealth planning? Ooh, uh, that's a really great question. One of the things was just loss, right? Seeing the loss. Um, I am a litigator by training, spent the first major parts of my career um, in the courtroom and seeing these disputes pop up and how much people were losing as a result of a lack of planning really inspired me to um, help share what I knew and to educate my community about what they can do to avoid those kinds of, of pitfalls. Um, why do you think it's so important for parents to plan for the guardianship of their parents and not just of their children and not just assume that things will work out? Yeah. You know, we had these kids, right? And they cannot plan for themselves. We have to take ownership and agency over protecting them, not just what schools they go to and finding them a doctor and a dentist, but what if something happens to us? Where do they go? Who gets to take them? Who manages their finances? All of those pieces are, are part of having a child. And if we don't do it ourselves, we are leaving it up to the court system to decide who's best for our kids. And they don't know our kids. They don't know anything about their needs, their goals, their um, their interests, who would be best to care for them. They also don't know your family. Some people have families that are not great. Uh, and so it's so important because our kids are depending on us to care for them, even if we're not around. And part of that is making our a plan for them for guardianship. Yeah, we assume that our kids are going to be with the person that we think is best suited for them, or we like we think it's so obvious. Obviously, everybody will know we yeah. wanted our children to be cared for by this friend or family member. So what is the process for setting up a guardianship? Yeah, so there's really two types of guardianship. And that's one of the things people don't realize. The first is going to be your emergency guardianship. Most of the times you can get that form on your state website. People don't know that. Um, we also give that form away uh, in our, our estate planning with minor children's webinar. So for any of the attendees, we actually give them the form. But it's a signed and notarized directive from the parents or guardians giving legal authority to someone else of the children. Absent that, the only other way to get emergency guardianship is from a court order. So there is either a signed and notarized directive from the parents or there is a court order that is an emergency. Um, for permanent guardianship, that's actually located in your will. So inside of the will, you list who you think is going to be 
the best person to take care of your children. Um, a will is not the all um, and all be all of estate planning, if you will, right? But it is a part of it because it's where you where you list minor children's guardians, as well as people you don't want to be considered for guardianship. I was going to ask that. What if you don't want somebody? So it's not like you just write this information on like a notebook paper. You hide it in a drawer. Hope for the best. You need to go through. And just having a will isn't really enough. You have to take it a few steps further. So when do people do this? Before they have kids, you know, before they go on their first trip, what do you do? All of it. All of it. You know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of trying to get people to start planning early and often. And so when we think about it, from the moment we turn 18, we should have a baseline estate plan in place. Most people don't, uh, but we should because we sh all of us, once we become legal adults in this society, need to have someone who can step up for us in the event we can't take care of ourselves, right? Who manages our finances, et cetera. When we have kids, then we modify that plan that we made to include them and to include guardianship, et cetera. Um, people should really start thinking about estate planning for their minors when they're pregnant, <laughs> right? Before the minor comes in. Because um, unfortunately, sometimes people don't make it through childbirth, right? So you can't really wait until the child's here. You kind of have to get started thinking about, well, what happens if something happens to me getting them here? Where would they go then? Because um, the last thing you want is a new board being fought over in a court system. So early, <laughs> early and often. Yeah. Then that's such a hard thing to think about. Do you feel like people avoid it just because they're like, eh, I'll be, I'll be safe. Nothing's going to happen. Oh yeah. hundred percent. We don't want to think about it at all. 100%. Yes. Um, very often, you know, I've heard people get very superstitious and they're like, if I start talking about death, I'm going to manifest it and then I'm going to die. Right. And it's like, well, let's reframe the conversation. Let's think about it as who's going to take care of your child. How are we going to protect them? How are we going to protect any um, resources that get left behind? How are we going to care for them if we're not around? Let's not focus on the not around part. Let's focus on the how we allow our children to thrive and what kinds of things we can put into place so that they can thrive. So we try to we try to reframe the conversation that way. Um, so we're less focusing on the fact that you're actually gone and more focusing on, you know, what would we want for our kids and how would we want them to be cared for? I like that kind of reframe. So we also need trust and living trusts, right? How do we think about that? When do we start even just preparing for that? And what are some of the things we need to think about putting into that? Yeah. So living trusts are a really incredible tool in protecting an estate and also keeping it out of court. So the first thing is, how do we avoid a judge, right? At a time that's very emotional, how do we avoid going to the court process? Um, and then you can add on additionally to that multi-generational planning. So you can add in restrictions for your kids. You can add in incentives for them. Um, one of the things I tell my clients who have minor kids is, thinking about what you would want your child to learn, how you can instill values through your estate plan, because that's all that's left, right? If you're not here, all that's left is your stuff and how you give it to them um, can lead to your values. So sometimes people will say things like, you know, I want them to get go to higher education and I'll pay for that. 
and they put that in the plan and they, but they, then they specify, you know, as long as it's sort of a linear trajectory, I'm not going to pay for med school and then pay for art school and then pay for chef school, right? I don't want you to be a professional student, but I do want to show you that education is important. And I want to show you that I'm going to support you. Sometimes people will add in uh, incentives that say, you know, if you graduate in the top of your class from high school, I'm going to give you a little bit of money, just outright free of trust, you know, for you to do what you want with my plan specifically, I said, you know, I encourage you to travel, but it's yours to do what you want with. If you get a free ride to college and you decide to do that, then the money that I had set aside for college, you can use for, for these things. So all of that is, um, things that can go inside of the trust. When should you start thinking about it? It depends, right? It depends on what your asset levels are. It depends on where you are in that structure. Um, if you don't have a ton of assets that you need to change title to, you might look into a testamentary trust, which is a will that then subsequently creates a trust for the, uh, the benefit of the beneficiaries. So it just depends on each individual person's circumstances. There is no one size fits all. That is just so much good information. There are things that I didn't think about, like, oh, I want you to travel or I want you to do this. And that kind of helps me transition over to the next point, which is multi-generational wealth. You know, my parents are immigrants and this really wasn't on their radar and it wasn't something I grew up learning about. And now, you know, as I'm a, an adult, kind of, I think about this and it's so intimidating, but how... And where do we even get started on building this wealth? Yeah, you know, we have to reframe. And I know I say reframe a lot, but it is changing our mindset, right? Changing our ethos around what wealth actually is. Um, oftentimes people hear the word wealth or they hear the word estate and they immediately go, oh, that's millions and millions of dollars. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not there yet. I've got to wait. And the reality is, is that what is considered to be wealth is far less than most people realize. Um, there was a study that was done that used $10,000 as the barometer for transfer. Um, they were looking at the disparity between uh, the Black community and our white counterparts and, and sort of how wealth was, was passing. And they used $10,000 as the barometer because it had the ability to be transformational in someone's life. It could get someone out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle. It had the ability to, for someone to make an investment of that money and have a meaningful return. So when we're thinking about the wealth conversation, we're really talking about very small amounts, um, small, right, of, of money that can be wildly impactful for people. So then when we're thinking, when we start from there and we keep moving up, we're looking at, well, how do we protect that? What are some of the things that that might be a challenge? Taxes is always one, right? Taxes is always an issue. But also financial immaturity is another. If we've got minor kids, if they get everything at 18, are they going to be um, financially literate enough to build on that wealth or are they going to spend it? right? Um, studies show that people who get an unrestricted inheritance typically squander it within about three to five years of receipt. So we know that that's probably going to get squandered, right? So if we don't want that to go by the wayside that way, we've got to put some restrictions in. We've got to put some protections on the assets. The one thing we know about money in this country, and thankfully um, we live in a society where we have 
fairly stable economy, right? The one thing we know about money is that it needs three things to grow. To be invested in the first place, right? To go in the markets, time and protection. And it is guaranteed to grow on the basis of compounding interest. So investment, time, and your, your estate plan can really add in those protections. What does that do? It allows it to compound and build and grow. So no matter what you leave behind, if you have protected it, it will then grow over time guaranteed. As long as we have a stable economy. Got to put disclaimers <laughs> in there. <laughs> I love, again, that reframe of $10,000 makes it seem a lot more attainable and that is life-changing. So how do you get started? If you don't feel like you have disposable income, how do you even get started just building that money to invest and to protect? Baby steps. Baby steps. I mean, the reality is, is everybody has to start somewhere. Um, and again, when we think about time, the time is now. If you start now, then you have the ability to continue to grow. A 20-year-old who puts money away in the market can put away, you know, $50 a month, and it would take a 30-year-old almost $500 a month to have the same amount of money at retirement because the 20-year-old had an entire decade more of compounding on that money than that 30-year-old. And that's a huge disparity, right? So no matter what you have, if it's $10, if it's $2, right? Maybe not cheap, but, but if you are investing often, you're going to see growth. It's not going to happen immediately. And if you're looking for a get rich quick, it's not here, right? Building wealth takes time. Um, and so if you are consistent, if you are diligent, you can, you can absolutely get there. For those who are trying to understand what this is, we have a free resource library on our website with a lot of information, particularly a report on estate planning with minor kids. What are the things that we need to be thinking about when we have minors? Because um, oftentimes we're so caught up in how do we keep this kid alive, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, myself, I have a five-year-old and when I was pregnant, I did all the classes, right? I was at the hospital, I did the birthing classes and I did the, the caring for an infant classes and, you know, realized I was never going to sleep again when they started talking about SIDS and how infants just sometimes forget to breathe. And I was yeah. like, <laughs> but at no point in time did they offer any legal education on how to protect our kids. There was nothing as it related to any of that. And so I asked people, right, you know, how did you guys consider this? Or what did you guys do when you were thinking about guardians to try to get some insight and information from other parents? And people looked at me like a deer in the headlights, right? They had no idea what I was talking about. And so we uh, created all of these additional resources on our website to help educate parents because I realized there's nobody else doing it. So I'm so grateful for this platform because you are educating all of your listeners. So this is uh, this is really great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for, for being here. And can you, you shared your website. Are there any other resources that you really love on um, just learning about interge intergenerational wealth and creating guardianship and all of these things we need to be doing. Um, so I also have a, a TikTok platform. Uh, don't judge me, but uh, I have a really great time getting on TikTok. Um, it's Black Trust Fund Kids, and it's really about normalizing intergenerational wealth transfer. 
um, particularly in communities that have been historically and systematically marginalized or gatekept from this information. Um, women specifically have been very much gatekept from this information for a long period of time. Part of that process has been we weren't even allowed to have credit, right? Our ability to build wealth uh, was stifled. And, and thank you, RBG. But, you know, Think we about were, that every day. Right? <laughs> but I mean, women were finally able to get to get credit cards in their own names before they had to get it in their father or their husband's names. But but they were able to get it in their own names not that long ago. Like our mothers and our grandparents couldn't get credit in their own names. Like that is wild. And it actually wasn't even until 2016 that all women were able to get credit in their own names. In 2016, the it said that the housewives who did not work were able to get credit in their own names. One of the things, uh, so anyway, when we talk about That's the wealth information, on the Black Trust Fund Kids platform, we we try to share as much information as possible. Um, it's a free, again, free resource so that people can get educated because you cannot protect yourself if you don't know what you're facing. If you don't know what you're up against or, or what challenges lie ahead, you can't make a plan to keep yourself safe. Yes, that's such a good point that just learning and starting slow and steady, it's not something that you'll get it all done in one day, but taking the baby steps. It can seem really daunting to just start, but Mm -hmm. you got to do it. Like one of those things like taxes, like all of the things (laughs) we have to do. You just got to do it instead of just letting it kind of just sit there waiting. Right. You know, what I find is people get so paralyzed, right? They get paralyzed by the conversation. They don't want to have it. It feels stressful. It feels really hard. And then they'll do it and it'll be done. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, I such a relief to know, you know, I had been so worried about it and like paralyzed by my own fear that by the time I did it, I didn't realize how much it was, it was, it was weighing on me. Now that I know that where my kids will go, now that I know if something happens that they're going to be okay, I feel so much better. I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. And I think, you know, for anybody who's listening to this, the encouragement would be don't let fear keep you from 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 starting. Um, And everybody doesn't need the same estate plan. Everybody doesn't need, you know, the big trusts and all this stuff. Um, Your estate plan is going to be representative of where you are. And so if you feel like I don't have a lot, there's still an estate plan for you. Right. There's still something Um, people often forget that when we say estate planning, everybody has an estate plan, everyone. You either have the state's default plan, which everybody has, or you have the plan that you wrote for yourself. And the one that you wrote for yourself is gonna be far more thoughtful about the assets that you've accumulated, about the family members that you're leaving behind. The state's plan is very generic and oftentimes leaves families in a mess, um, assets and other resources being squandered and people or family members walking away oftentimes with with nothing left. So when we think about what we want to do with our wealth, we got to let fear um, go and really step into our own power. I agree with that. And I think just even the title estate planning, it sounds like if I don't have, you know, five houses, oh, I'm good. It'll work out. But we don't think about 
having a loved one die and having to go to court to deal with that. That's daunting. And it's just, it's a traumatizing situation that no one should have to deal with. So instead, get it done early, right? Absolutely. Get it done early and often. And it's not a one and done, right? Sometimes people think, oh, I have to have all of this ironed down, nailed down exactly who's going to do all of these things. And until I know that, I'm not going to get started. And that's not really how it works, right? You pick who makes the most sense today. And, you know, when your kid is five, it might be somebody else. And when your kid's 15, it might be somebody else. And your plan might look different because now you know them, right? And you know whether they're, you know, good with money and they seem to be reasonable people and human beings, right? Or you'll be like, I will never, ever give you access to all of this because if I did, you'd spend it all on Pokemon and you'd be, and you would change, you would change it, right? The point of an estate plan is, or especially a a living revocable trust is that it's living and breathing. You modify it along the way and you, you know, you make these tweaks as you go, but it is your foundation. It is the foundation of your financial home, right? Everything else that we build and going to work, the money we put in our bank accounts, you know, life insurance, investments, all these other things are great. They're wonderful, but they are the walls and the roof and the bathroom toilet in this home. Your estate plan is the foundation of that home. And if you don't have one or you don't have the right one for your, for your family and for the assets that you have, then you're building your financial house on quicksand. You're constantly going to be in a position where one thing can blow that whole house over. And so to keep people from that, secure your foundation first. I like that analogy. I have two more questions. First, do you tell people, do you recommend that you tell people that they are going to be a guardian? (laughs) Yes. Ask them, do not let them walk into a courtroom and be like, they did what? (laughs) You don't have to tell people you don't want to be guardian, right? You don't have to be like, oh, no. (laughs) But you should talk to the people you have named. You should make sure that they're okay with it. And also you probably want at least three people. You know, I, I always try to encourage people to get to five in successive order because what happens if they decline? They can decline. (laughs) You know, sometimes people have their own reasons. Whenever the documents need to be used, maybe they're going through a divorce. Maybe they've gotten a bad diagnosis. Maybe there's just some reason that at that point in time, they're unable to to take on the responsibility of of this child and they can decline. So you want to have a list of people that could take care of your children. And that list is likely going to change. Um, over time, right? And sometimes it's not even family members. In many instances, people have picked friends or godparents or other people, not actual family members. And that's for a lot of reasons, right? That could be they don't have a good relationship with their family. They don't have any siblings. Their parents are older, all kinds of things. Um, but yes, <laughs> to okay. not take so long to answer Don't surprise them. Don't so surprise them. Have say a few no. people, like five people that you want, and then a list of people you would not want. Yeah. I mean, if there's anyone you absolutely do not want on that list, and sometimes people do have that, right? I do not want my mother considered, or I don't want, 
you know, that uncle over there, I don't want him considered at all. Um, you want to write that down and you don't have to be rude about it, right? You don't have to be like, ah, oh, she's a, you know. Yeah, you don't have to tell them person. that they're not on the list. <laughs> right, but, but when you write it in the will, the way that we write it is just, we would not want these people to be considered um, for guardianship because our parenting styles do, are not aligned, right? They Sometimes people ask me to be more detailed, but, but <laughs> it's really just to signal to the court do not consider them. I'm not here to tell you why, but I don't want them. I don't want my kids going there. Um, the other piece that I would say is, is that people often do decline sometimes because there's no economic resources and they personally cannot take on the financial burden of raising that child. Um, and so it's important to remember for young parents or parents of young children that it is our responsibility to secure our, our children's financial futures. And if we're not here and we're not able to work, we need to make sure we have enough life insurance to replace our economic value to our households. Because the last thing we want is people who want to take in our children, but can't afford it. And we didn't leave anything behind for their care. So that, that's another thing to keep in mind. And then the third thing I would say, keep in mind, don't name couples for guardians. Don't, made, don't name married couples. Um, if there's one spouse in that couple that you want your child to go to, name them. Uh, because what happens in a divorce? If you name the couples and you've given guardianship to both of them and they get divorced, now does your child become a part of their divorce on custody? If that's not what you want and you really wanted, you know, your best friend, but you named your best friend and her husband and they get divorced, do you want your child living with her husband? That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. Hmm. Things to think about. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. So um, last question, how can everyone find you, find all of the, the library that you were referring to earlier that I'll put in the show notes? How can people connect with you? Absolutely. So woodlegalgroup.com, woodlegalgroup.com uh, is our website. And if you go to the drop down menu in the top, you will see access resource library, um, and then you can go in there and read all of the stuff. We also do webinars every month. We have one coming up in February, beginning of February for estate planning with minor children. So that is there on the website as well. Um, and then on TikTok, follow me at the Black Trust Fund Kids. We're constantly providing lots of information and recently started going live all the time. <laughs> yes, I love your TikTok. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the end of our episode with Portia M. Wood. Before we wrap up, if you're pregnant and overwhelmed trying to choose all the perfect baby gear, check out my newest offering, Ready for Baby Registry. This consultation will walk you through choosing what you need for postpartum recovery, sleep, feeding, diapering, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Being pregnant or a new parent can feel so isolating. And for me, sharing a podcast is a great way to connect and start hard, uncomfortable conversations like estate planning. I really appreciate you taking the time to spread the message of Ready for Baby. Thank you for listening and I'll see you back next week.